Hello, I'm Tom. I'll be your host for season one of Pursuing the Muse, a podcast about songwriting. I'll be talking to musicians about what they do and how they do it with the craft of making songs. Today, from just outside the Mississippi Delta, I'm happy to bring you an interview with Andrew Bryant. He is a founding member of the Water Liars, as well as an accomplished solo artist. His latest offering, Prodigal, is a homecoming of sorts, a return to the roots that nourished his music and nourished his soul. He explores the faith of where he grew up, the friends that have come and gone along with the way, and how he has been shaped into who he is now by the journey he has taken. Without further ado, here's Andrew. Brother Danny was a fisher of men. He cast his jigs across the Arkansas sand. We are live with Andrew Bryant here on uh, Pursuing the Muse. I'm your host, Tom Compton, and Andrew is here. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Tom. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I am I am thrilled to be talking to you. You, I, I have been an admirer of your work for many years now. So, um, And the timing of this discussion is like fortuitous because you have just put out a masterpiece of a record so in oh. terms of want, wanting to talk about songwriting this is really really a good time to do it oh well thank you for saying that uh, um yeah it's really great the record's only been out for it seems like it's been out for a long time but it's only been out for about a week now i guess <laughs> yeah. well it's been a part of your life for a lot longer than ours right and i've had it done um i mean i actually had the record mastered almost a full year before i put it out so i was just kind of sitting on it for a little while so uh, okay what what kind of things were were holding up the the record the last part of it really was just uh i always felt that was the type of record that should come out in the fall uh i don't know it seasonally I think there are some records that work better, you know, to put them out in the spring or put them out in the summer. And for whatever reason, this record has always just felt sort of like a fall uh, record because you're in that sort of time of, of change between, you know, s summer and before it gets too cold. But the leaves mm -hmm. are falling. It's a time of change and shedding off things from the past. And so, um, yeah, I had it done you know, the previous fall, I guess, which would have been 2022, but obviously there wasn't enough time to press the records and do all that. And, and then there was also just some business loose ends that I needed to, to clear up and take care of before I was even able to put it out. So I've really been anxious to get it out. I wish yes. I could put it out, you know, a year ago, but, uh, yeah. alas, here we are. So. Right. 
but yeah. it was worth the wait. So all's good. Wow. It worked out. So, yeah. So the, we're talking about Andrew Bryan's record Prodigal. Uh, came out November 11th, 2023. Whenever you're checking this out, um, I advise you to to go and give that a listen. And we'll t- be talking about songs off of Prodigal, but uh, I want to ask you, Andrew, how did you get started writing songs? Where, how did that become a part of your life? That's a good question. I mean, I, I think as soon as I learned how to play guitar, it seems like I started trying to write my own songs, which would have been when I was about um, 14 or 15 years old. Um, I was playing a little bit of piano before then, and I was playing a little bit of drums by the time I was 13, but I was just sort of like playing at church, you know, and uh, playing with my buddies after church and between church and and my mom had this old 70s Yamaha laying around that she had bought at some point in the 70s. And, and I guess she thought she was going to learn guitar at one point, and she never did. And I just picked that thing up one day and was like, and she had the book inside of it, you know, that shows you the chords where you like hold your fingers. So I just started messing around with it and, and had a couple of guys I went to church with that played that showed me a couple of chords. And I learned how to play guitar. And it really, honestly, it just seemed like, the most natural thing to do after I learned to play guitar was to start writing my own songs. I mean, I just loved music and I, and I had, you know, was already collecting uh, CDs and tapes and records and things that I loved and mm. just really just obsessed with music as a teenager, just obsessed with it. And, um, yeah, I just started writing these little songs, you know, most of them were sort of kind of embarrassing. I guess most of them, would have been sort of like kind of Christian teens or something, you know, because that's the mm-hmm. kind of I was raised in. But mm-hmm. then it pretty quickly graduated to trying to impress girls, I think, you know. So, <laughs> so I started writing love songs, you know, like my first girlfriend, things like teenagers. That's there really cool. Yeah. <laughs> love God and love thy neighbor. There right. you go. Yeah. And love girls. There you are. You know, whatever. <laughs> Hopefully they're, yeah, the girl next door. Or the love life is, yeah. <laughs> so you played piano, you played guitar, um, and at what, because before your solo career here, you, you were in the Water Liars, and you were the drummer, right? That's right. So did did drums be- By accident, by proxy, I was, you know, that band sort of started as an accident. This is not like a new story. I think if people know the band- and they've read anything about us, they know that it just sort of happened as because me and Justin had known each other and he had a band uh before Waterlars called Theodore. And uh their drummer had moved on and they had asked they knew that I played drums, you know, on my own stuff that I recorded and did at home and, and so they were like, Hey, can you go play these shows with us? We need a drummer and I was like, Yeah. And so I did those two shows and then he was like, man, I got these new songs. Can I just come down to your house and we can record them? Can you help me record demos or whatever? And I was like, yeah. And so he came down to my house for a weekend and we made the Phantom Limb record that was originally just like demos. Mm -hmm. Um, And then right after we made it, we sent it to a label and they were like, we want to put this out. (laughs) And we had to like think of a name. And so it like went from just like, playing a couple shows to becoming a band with a record deal within the space of like, you know, a few months. And they were, and so we had to start playing shows and going on tour and Justin could 
played drums, you know, he wrote the song. So I was like, okay, you play guitar, I'll play drums and we'll do it that way. And then I just ended up being the drummer of that band for, you know, years and years. Mm-hmm. But in the studio after that, um, you know, when we made Wyoming and self-titled, I was the drummer and I played drums on the sessions when we were recording everything. But then after we would get the initial a take down, I would off, you know, if you look at the credits of Wild Earth Records, I play guitar also and piano and organ and all kinds mm-hmm. of other stuff on this record. So I've always been, you know, a multi-instrumentalist, I guess you would say. Okay. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause I wondered, uh, cause I, I had first heard of you as a drummer and then as your solo career blossomed, I, I came to realize you're you're much more than that. So just just curious how drums uh, fit in, you know, and, and it seems like it was just it, it was a fortuitous place to be at a certain space and time. So, yeah, it was. And I'm, I'm not even even a very good drummer. I have to say I'm not. A, I'm just kind of a half ass drummer. Um, I, I've often said I play I play drums like a guitar player and I play guitar like a drummer. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where I live. <laughs> well, you're keeping the beat, you know. I, I, no. So as long as it's in time, it's, it's not. In, so that's the bad <laughs> part of it. You know, I have to find one because I play drums like a guitar player. So I, I need to play drums like a drum. Yeah, I'm trying to be. Cool. It's like, that's kind of got a, it's its own little thing. Like John Lee Hooker, you know, never played the same played a song the same way twice so i think the thing about my drum style though is that it I, because i'm not primarily a drummer i do play things that other drummers wouldn't do and i have sort of a different take on mm-hmm. uh, i had other drummers say like yeah maybe technically you're not the best but you have a sound uh, yeah so yeah. Take that as a- yeah definitely is yeah so it, what year did uh you start going out solo what, when did the Water Liars break up? Well, I, you know, I actually had made some solo records before Water Liars. Um, okay. That's how me and Justin met. I had uh, was doing solo shows. And I had made, uh, I guess, two records, three records. I made three solo records before a Water Liars record. My album Galilee, for example, uh, came out in 2000, and I believe it was 2009. And so that okay. was a couple of years before Water Liars even started. Uh, okay. I put out a couple CDs back in the early 2000s, 2004, 2005, you know, that were, uh, I consider them to be legit albums. You know, I made them, uh, recorded them all myself and played most of the instruments. But so if you count all that, you know, I've been making solo records for next year will be 20 years. Be the oh, 20th wow. anniversary of my first solo album. So that's awesome. Yeah. How have you seen your songs? Have you seen like the way you approach songwriting change over the 20 years? I mean, it seems like a dumb question, but maybe the how is the interesting part. Absolutely. Uh, and when I listen back to my older songs and I think about how I was writing them, I can't even really remember how I used to write. Uh, I know what I do now, um, which is I pretty much come up with a guitar riff and melody will kind of just come you know, something I've come up with and then I think of the words. Um, I've had, I have some songs where it's like, it seems to just all come out at one time, but my normal process now really is to write music and then 
think of, you know, try to find the words that I want to put to it. So, and I really like having it that way now, whereas I used to feel like I was just writing. I, I mean, I mean, in the old days of my twenties, it was so new and fresh to me and I was still studying songwriting. So I just, I it seemed like I wrote a song every day, but they weren't mm. really, um, very deep songs, you know, they were just sort of my version of this song or my version of like, you know, whatever songs that were already out there. Okay. Um, I feel like now I'm finally to the point where, um, I'll write a couple of songs and then I see what thematically sticks out between those two. And then I'll write a third and then I'll write a fourth. And then I'm like, Oh, I can tie all this together in this way. And so I start to build a theme and I pretty much only write four albums now. Um, uh, okay. so it's really important for me to find a theme to work in, you know, at some point. Yeah, because I definitely see Prodigal is, I mean, I I don't know if concept album is like a real term anymore that, or, or but it, 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 it seems like a concept album because there's, it, there, it feels like there's a story going from beginning to end there. Yeah. And I wrote it that way and, and it's, it's sequenced in such a way from beginning to end to feel that way. I definitely thought of this one as the most of a concept album I've ever done, but it's also right. the album that's probably the most personal uh, and most real about my past. So I've been sort of describing it as like a conceptual memoir okay. uh, in an album form. <laughs> that makes right, right. Yeah. And it, did the songs, did you have like an overarching story you wanted to tell or did you, or did that more evolve? I think it evolved over the process. Yeah. Um, okay. I think at first I had written the song prodigal, you know, was one of the first songs that I wrote, which is the title track and the opening track of the album. And mm -hmm. it was written sort of as a in memoriam type of song for, for my childhood best friend who passed away in 2020. And, um, I was just thinking about him a lot and, and you know, missing him and just still going through that grieving process. And so I wrote that song sort of for him. And when I wrote that line, like the prodigal who never left at all, I kind of surprised myself. And, uh, I think initially I, I didn't want to write an album titled prodigal or that had anything that you can tie to it so easily, you know, as far as religion or theology or anything like that goes, but I just sort of leaned into that metaphor and that idea because I knew it was where I was at at that time. Yeah. And so I, I did, I just started to dig into my past. And so I was like, well, this sort of is dealing with this part of my past. So I'm going to go back further. So the next song trampoline, I go back even further into my childhood The song tongues. Uh, I wrote from my mother's perspective, which piggybacks right off of trampoline. Mm. And then after that, I had these couple of like love is just sort of a simple love song that I had written, but it fit perfectly into the middle of the album, into the telling of the story, which is sort of this overarching, you know, evolution of a person or the prodigal son, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it works really well. And you were talking about hesitancy with using prodigal. Uh, I I think it it's really nice because. There are various, it has a lot various interpretations where sometimes the prodigal is the son, and sometimes I've heard the heard it twisted around like the prodigal is the father who is yeah. so giving, and then 
so I, I think it's nice in terms of a record that is inviting you to listen closely um, that it you don't know what direction it's going to go until you get there. So and it, it, the journey is 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 so good. So well, it, it, yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to include a lot of characters in this album too. In which you have this recurring character who's called Brother Danny who comes in and out. Um, who's actually a real person that I grew up knowing this person from church that I grew up going to. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I tried to use these characters throughout and sort of tie in all the songs together. So I guess in that way, it does make it a, a conceptual album. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there are things that also tie the record together. Like a Creek will show up in one song, then it'll show up a couple songs later. Uh, Heart the heart is in there. The doves are in a couple. And, and, and it just, it makes the, the listen really rewarding to It's like, it's weaved together like a tapestry. And yeah. it, is that like, are, when you're using a term multiple times on the record, how conscious of you, uh, of is, are you of that happening? Uh, I was fairly conscious of it. I mean, I think there's the few songs that I had written, um, that didn't that don't overlap so any songs that do overlap with terminology you know is a definite reference to one that came before like i said prodigal was one of the first that i had written for the album so and it has the creek in it and so mm -hmm. wind i think has the creek in it also um i would have written wind after prodigal and i knew that and to me like at that like i say at that point i knew i was making a conceptual record so you just sort of have these built-in lines and actually to me it makes this songwriting a little bit easier because you don't have to think of like completely new terms and words to use you know because it's sort of you're like oh i can reference that again that dude it buys me a free line you know <laughs> it were, and it makes you look cool yeah i guess so <laughs> but I, really think, I, I think it ties the album together and it gives us this very circular um listening experience where you know, it goes back and forth between these different themes and, and it carries you along also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And then you, you've got, uh, you got a song, there's like an interlude song on there too, right? Yeah. And that wasn't planned actually. Um, oh, really? that was just something we improvised in the studio. Um, we actually, so the last song on the album is called Americano and I told the guys in the band, I was like, well, I, this is how we're going to end the song. We knew exactly how it was going to end. And so when we made that last, I told them though, I said, once we, after we get that last hit, let it fade for a long time. And then let's just make noise and vamp. <laughs> Cause I think I'm like in the record that way. And uh -huh. they were like, Hey, we'll just see what happens. And so that's what we did. And that interlude is well, what we did is we chopped it off the end and put it at the end of side A, instead of at the very end of the record. Um, to make so it, give that little bit of transition between side A and side B, instead of just having it close out that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is is there a, a change of direction that's happening at with side two in your mind when gravy starts up? I think so. I mean, side B, the two sides feel really different to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like when records, especially me, I'm making records 
that I'm particularly thinking of to go on vinyl. And so I like to have a really nice transition from side A to side B. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, it's more about sound for me than it is about you know the flow of the lyrics and the story. It really is about the sound. But I think in this case, it kind of works both ways, mm-hmm. and that comes through. I think with the I named the instrumental part. I just was like, well, if it's going to be on the record, it needs to have a name. You know, I didn't want to just call it instrumental you know vamp or something so i titled it uh inheritance which is you know something that ties in with the prodigal theme and so uh yeah nice i just thought it would be cool <laughs> yeah yeah it, and you're, you're talking about uh feels and and vibes w- w- when you when you write a song how do you think i'm because i mean it, what I'm going to sound like Barbara Walters here, but like what, what makes us, okay. what, what makes a song, a song for you? Because there are instrumental songs and there are vibes and there are energies, but then, and, and I, and I think that pulls the heartstrings and gets the emotions going and then lyrics bring in the intellectual side. And so I mean, a, an instrumental song is, is a song, but That's, yeah, uh, I guess, I haven't really thought about it. That's a good question. Um, I would define an instrumental songs as songs also. Um, but from what my perspective and what I do, lyrics are very important when it comes to songwriting. Uh, cause, uh, essentially I sort of learned songwriting on my own and I learned it by studying everyone who'd done it before me. And my, Mostly that was, you know, Bob Dylan or Neil Young or, you know, any great country singers like Merle Haggard, you know, I just listened to anything that was considered, you know, whatever was the greatest songs, the Beatles, George Harrison. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just studied that to learn how to write songs. I don't know. I guess I just always needed, wanted to have something to say, you know, but I feel like you can just as easily tell a story or say something without words. Um, I'm just, uh, not as good at it or just don't prefer that method as much, but I love to listen to it. So I think a song is, is any type of music that someone plays, you know, uh, the birds outside my window sing songs every day. So, mm. you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember, uh, Miles Davis being interviewed on the tonight show and he said he liked to turn on NBA basketball games just to listen to the squeaking of the shoes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hear noises and things all the time um, everywhere that I consider to be. I guess you can start to think of it as like, what is music? And what is like, what's the difference between just a piece of music and what is a song? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I know exactly what the answer is, but I mean, I would say that a song is any collection of sounds that has a beginning and an end. Mm. That's how I would And then would music versus noise, would music require intention? Like, I don't think it has to be intentional. Well, maybe, yeah. Maybe that's the difference is, is with someone intentionally making the sound. Um, although, although if, although you, if you're, you're, if you're hearing you, birds, unintentional. Like, well, I, I, are they intending to do that? I, I like, think most songs are intentional. Um, right. 
birds usually have, have certain uh, calls and sounds that they make for, for different reasons. Sure. Um, um, I don't know. What is the point of making songs in the first place? You know what I mean? Like, oh, uh, I guess to get girls, right? <laughs> you bring up a good point here, Tom. <laughs> that's what the birds are doing, right? They're trying to get girls. Yeah, yeah that is a lot of what bird songs are over here. Or they're just happy because they just got the girl. Yeah, so this right. yeah, too. Yeah. It's a celebration. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we've definitely gone uh, out into left field, which I enjoy doing, but. Oh, that's great. That's great. This is a good left field to be in. You know, I was starting right field for most of the little leagues, so I'm, I'm just happy to be in left field. <laughs> that's right. I've I've spent plenty of times in right field myself. That's I always got the sportsmanship award because I was the worst player on the team. You know, so I have I have one baseball trophy in here in my studio somewhere. It's like the only one I ever got. You know, in all my years of little league, and it was like. 100 percent of participation trip <laughs> <laughs> i hear you i hear yeah. you so now your last record a meaningful connection mm-hmm. that you put that out after that after you had quit drinking right would yeah. you do you think of that as like a sobriety record for you i i do very much now especially in retrospect looking back on it at the right. time, um, only a couple songs on it were, you know, had to do with getting sober and um, quit drinking. But now when I look back on it, I'm like, well, a good bit of pretty much this entire record, I would say, is a record of, about getting, about quitting drinking and about addiction in general, about um, truth and reality, you know. Uh, I think there's a lot of that in there. You know, we were coming out of the pandemic in 2020 when I was writing a lot of that record too. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of, there's a, just a lot of, of that 2020 introspection in that record altogether. So maybe not all of it, but I would say a good part yeah. of the album. Yeah. yeah I, I definitely see pieces of it. And I was going to ask you're three years sober now, if correct. That's right. And how, how is has songwriting changed for you with sobriety? Definitely. I mean, it seems it seems, um, and I don't know how to describe it other than I think when I was drinking, I used to write a lot of my songs in the middle of the night, like uh, maybe a little bit drunk, you know, at times, you know, uh, or I at least had been on on a bender for that whole week and was sort of hungover and you know was kind of sleepless. And one night, and, and I would just write two or three songs. And I know, I know at least from a meaningful connection, I know Birmingham was written that way. And I think the first track was also written that way. So there's a few that I know that I wrote before I got sober. And then it was after that that I started writing these other songs. But when I think about it the way I write now, at three years sober, you know. Prodigal, I would say, is the first album that I've ever written from a completely sober mind. And so, I don't know, I guess I would leave it up to the listeners and decide if it's better or not. But it feels deeper, richer. Uh, I put a lot more thought. I had just a lot more, you know, free thought that is in it. And a lot more time is spent thinking about the lyrics and thinking about the ideas and 
you know, my head is a lot clearer. So I'm spending a lot more time reading, a lot more time, you know, watching movies or documentaries or whatever, listening to a lot of music, all the things that I need to do to actually soak in art, to be able to produce art. I feel like, you know, that's like the largest payoff, honestly. Yeah. And, and as, as a listener, I can say, I think this is your best record. And the fact that you're in the space that you're in is, is a huge part of it. So yeah. I, I'd, just, just as a music fan, I'm, I'm happy for your sobriety. Well, Cause it's, I mean, honestly, you tell me, you play a huge role in helping me stay sober. You would just send me DMs now and again on Twitter, checking in on me, you know, after I think the one of the, within the first month or two of, of getting sober, I put some stuff out on Twitter, like, Hey, quitting drinking. And you always checked in on me. You were sort of like an un, unofficial, uh, sponsor out there in the ether and the internet ether. And I really appreciate it. It really helped. Oh uh, yeah. I'm so glad. I mean, it, the, the timing of that, cause I, I mean, in, in, from my side, I, I'm nine years sober or I will be in a month. So uh, almost nine years sober. So yeah, just a, a couple steps down the road, you know, it's, and if, when I, I saw where you were, I, I mean, I was really happy because, uh, I think life is better, uh, in, in general, when, when the, some of those demons are behind you. <laughs> right. And you know how it is, like, I guess what through that first year is sort of hard and the second year is, yes, yeah. that means some, in some ways the second year was even harder because you realize all the things that are actually wrong with you. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Now like, I'm in the third year and I'm really, uh, getting to doing the hard work on repairing a lot of the stuff that's wrong it, mm -hmm. uh, inside that, that makes you always want to go back. And yeah, I still, you know, I don't have those cravings anymore like I used to, but they still come up. Now and again, mm -hmm. something happens, you know, it's like the first instinct that I have, and that's how I know. So, um, again, want to thank you for, you know, oh. still now and again, it's one of those things that happens where we'll just, you'll check in and even you just messaging me about music or whatever, every time it reminds me like, oh, Tom's holding you accountable. And I, I, I remember there was a stretch where I, I hadn't. Uh, messaged you in a while and then uh i was wondering how you were doing and i think you were starting your sub stack around then and you posted and i saw your you put your picture up and you had this glow and this smile and i was like okay i haven't been in touch with him in 11 months but i know he's still <laughs> hey right. he's still he's still sober and he's, he's still doing his thing so i i, I was like I, just from a picture it was very cool to like to have that uh recognition <laughs> yeah yeah, you can really tell, can you? Just from like looking at someone. Yeah. 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 The way people carry themselves and sometimes it's even just the ability to smile can yeah. uh, it can make a huge difference. So very cool. And so and you were you were mentioning documentaries there a minute ago. Um I am looking forward to I know some you you have a filmmaker friend that documented the making of Prodigal, which that was i tell me about that documentary yeah um so there's this uh guy from little rock that i had met um actually when water used to tour 
we used to always play in Little Rock, and, and I think we stayed at his his and his buddy's house a couple of times, you know, uh, just after his shows, just because we needed a place to stay. And I didn't really know him really well, and he had reached out to me. Uh, I think in 2020, originally, he reached out and was like, hey, I'm he's a filmmaker, and that's what he does for a living. Uh, he was like, hey, I'm making these, these short films on uh, musicians, and he's also sober. And he had seen that I had gotten sober. And so he was like, hey, I want to talk to you about being a musician, about being a sober musician, songwriter, just a short 15-minute you know, documentary is all it would be. He was like, can I come down to Mississippi and interview you in your studio? And I was like, sure, come on down. And, you know. So he came down, and um, we did that. And it was just like one sit-down interview. And you know, we drove around, shot a little footage here in Mississippi. And then I think at the end of that, he, I was like, I told him, I was like, you know, I'm actually going into the studio like in two weeks to start recording my next album. You know, if you want to come just shoot some extra, you know, footage to have, you know, in the studio. He was like, yeah, I'd love that. And so, yeah, so that was the first recording session for Prodigal. And he came uh, on day two of that and just hung around and he just kept filming. And then, um, I guess it was about a couple months after that, we went back for the second session. He came back for that. He just sort of became a part of the project without it really even being planned. You know, Mm -hmm. it was really, he was just, he was, you hardly knew he was there half the time. It was just one guy with a camera. Uh, he was just sort of made himself a fly on the wall. And, Mm -hmm. um, so that made it really easy. You know, I feel like if it would have been a whole crew and like all of these things, it probably wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we all would have been me and all of the band would have been like, no, I don't want to do this. But right. since it was him and he made it so easy. Uh, and I thought still, I was like, oh, it's still going to be like a short thing. So after we had recorded Prodigal, he was like, uh, I want to come back down to Mississippi and interview you one more time, you know, just to ask you about protocol now and so he did that and he filmed me you know playing a couple songs and I, and then he stayed the night and then i drove him down to where i grew up which is in very rural part of mississippi and kind of shot some footage there and he just you know we just talked and hung out he asked me questions a couple months later he calls me he's like hey man i got this hour-long documentary that i just made about the making of protocol like uh you want to see it? And I was like, yeah, yes, very much. And he drove all the way here. And so he made uh, this really great. Um, have you ever seen the making of documentary for the band Magnolia Electric Company? And they did a short one for their angels. Being, you know, it's similar to that, but it's even better. Uh, and it's just, when I saw it, I was just floored by the footage that he captured. Um, the way he edited it, everything is really, really well made. It's a well made film. I think if you didn't even give a shit about my music or the album or anything, and you just watched the film, it would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not because of me, but because he's such a great filmmaker. Um, and so, yeah, and we're premiering that. Um, which I don't know when this will be out, but um, it's already premiered here in Oxford at the local film festival, and then we'll be having another premiere at the end of November in Little Rock. And then I think it's going to be up on streaming, uh, hopefully, at the end of the year. Hopefully by the time this podcast is out, you know, streaming will be up for it. So, 
Yeah, I am super excited to see that. And uh, some of what you're saying reminded me of like uh, the, the Beatles get back thing, you know, the fly on the wall. Oh, yeah. Were, were, were there any things that he captured that surprised you? Yes. Uh, for There's one thing, there's a scene in it where, um, well, the song Love, for example, uh, that's on my new album, it's just me and a guitar, finger picking, you know. And that's the only song in the album that's just me and the guitar. So that was the last song I recorded for the album. He was actually there, and he recorded the, I did several takes, and I really had trouble with it. But he captured the final, you know, take and there's this scene in the middle of it where i'm in the control room and i can't decide if that's the one if i should do it again or if i should try to just do the guitar and then sing afterwards and i i asked the question out loud am i a perfectionist and and then we sort of get into this conversation about it with the engineer and the producer and, and i don't know there's just something and i saw <laughs> that I, I was like oh i didn't even you know, just to see it from that perspective, like, so cool. like I was part of that conversation, but I completely forgot right. about, you know, because right. it's one of those things that happens in the studio. I feel it's like, like a, yeah, it's like a real moment that happened. In- yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a couple of those real moments. And then, then there's some like really good, just like really good technical moments, I think too, from the studio where the guitar player, Will Sexton is trying to fill the space in this song in my song Shiloh we were just like it needs a little something and he just starts doing some really cool stuff on the guitar and you're just sort of watching it all unfold live and that mm. was pretty cool too nice yeah the hair starts standing on end on the arm that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah it's really cool I can't wait for everyone to see it so yes I, I definitely would go to the midnight premiere <laughs> if, <laughs> if they did one but me too. <laughs> so, uh, what's what's next? What's up ahead for you, um, man? I have been keeping at it, as they say. Um, I've got two albums worth of material, <laughs> pretty much. Tried, and yeah. I've just been doing it all in my own studio here. But basically, as soon as I finished Prodigal, I was I, I, the next week. I just. I have a studio recording studio here in my house where I'm at right now. And it's and it's sort of a loft studio that's above my house, only accessible from the outside. So it's sort of like I, I walk out my door and I walk up a staircase and then I go to work. Uh, <laughs> Rough commute. So, yeah. So that's what I've been doing. You know, I've got about two albums worth about 18 songs I'm working on right now. Um, trying to finish it up and I'm sure something will come out next year. Uh, how many or what? I'm not sure yet, but mm-hmm. yeah, trying to keep at it. Always trying to work on the next thing, and and I also I've got my own podcast that I'm doing now uh, called Magnolia Radio, which is uh, also tied to my Substack. So I'm trying to uh, basically get people that I know who are creatives from here in Mississippi, from and kind of around. And then I'll probably expand out at some point to talk to other people. But for now, I'm trying to keep it to people who can actually stop by the studio and have a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at some point, I'm sure I'm, that that's going to, that's already a little bit limited because there's not always a lot of people coming through Mississippi or even close by. And pretty soon I'm going to run out of people who live in the world who want to talk to me. 
So <laughs> at some point, I'm sure we're doing them via Zoom, at least, you know, like we're doing it here at some point. But the um, mayor of Oxford hasn't appeared on your podcast yet. What's that? The so, mayor hasn't been on I don't think the mayor's going to appear. No. <laughs> and I'm trying to just get, and trying to get creative people, songwriters, filmmakers, writers, even some visual artists. Um, you know, I'm, I'm even thinking, I'm, I, I might talk to some cooks and chefs and things like that if I can. Yeah. You know, just, you know, anyone, that an, I, anyone I can have an interesting conversation with. So, Yes. The culinary arts are very creative, so yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I love to eat, so I feel like <laughs> I feel like if I get all on podcasts, they're going to give me like a free meal. Yeah, they're going to bring a sample platter, yeah. <laughs> Next time I go and take my wife, I'll look all important, you know, so. <laughs> there you go. You got to... You have this all planned out. This is... I actually do this time, honestly, you know. <laughs> so if I'm trying to get something for free. <laughs> so with uh you're talking about you've got this abundance of songs you know you got this backlog of songs is it do you ever get into a place where song ideas are just like flooding you and you kind of have to put some sort of brakes on and just i, I how, is i don't know I, I just want how do do you have to pace the ideas that, that are coming to you I do get the floods and I never put the brakes on. Um, I've always been scared of putting the brakes on. I think, uh, if it's coming to me, I, if I'm laying in, uh, recently I had this happen where my wife was out of town for work. Uh, she's been having to travel for work a good bit. And there was one night I was just tired as hell, you know, just ready to go to sleep. And I laid down the bed and for some reason, I just had this idea that popped in my head for a song. And my guitar was laying sort of at the foot of the bed. So I got up and I strummed it and it just came to me. And just the song had just, it just sort of, the idea of it came to me anyways in a verse and a chorus. And so I played it and I jotted it down. I even played a little demo into my phone and then I laid it down. I was like, okay, I can go to sleep now. I was laying there. And then another one came. <laughs> I got up and I did the same thing again. And I laid it, I did that three times. And so the next day, my day was set and so what i did was the next day i came up here and i finished out those three songs and by the time she was gone for five days and by the time she got back i was like well i think i just wrote a new album when i had a couple what it was is i had those few songs that came to me so then i just had to finish them um and then I had, I always had these sort of random little pieces of songs or ideas in my voice memos, like on my phone. And mm. so I, if I get a few new songs, I'll go back and see what I've got in there that I haven't used yet. And I'll try to finish something. And that's what I've been doing a lot lately is finishing songs that, uh, that literally were just like a little bit of a riff and a melody and me just sort of mumbling, you know to have that idea down. I'll do that a lot of times. I'll just kind of come up with a really good guitar part and a melody and I'll just sort of hum, you know, hum nonsense on <laughs> my phone and I'll go back to that and say like, try to hear, hear something. You know? Yeah. If I ever get that first line and I'm like, okay, I'm off, I'm off now. I'll just keep building off of this one line. So I've been doing a little bit of that lately and uh, that's felt good too. So, okay. How, how many voice memos do you say you ha think you have 
uh, sitting on your phone at this point. Little pieces of songs. Will it tell me? Let's see. 181 is what it said. The next next 10 years charted out there. I don't think that's all songs. Some of that is, sometimes I'll turn it on if I, we were just talking about uh, hearing sounds. Sometimes when I'm walking around, I hear it sounds or things that just sound musical to me and I'll hit record record it and listen to it. Sometimes it's a, a group of birds in the wind blowing or rain dripping off of something in a certain way that's making something musical. And then sometimes when I'm traveling and I'm uh, like last, this earlier in the year, I went to Spain with my wife and we were walking on some of the streets there. And sometimes I turn my phone on and record the sounds of the streets and things like that. I really like field recording stuff and I like just having recordings of places that I've been and things like that to go back and listen to you. So there's a lot of that on there too. So I would say maybe half of that. Okay. All right. Have you had anything that you recorded as like a sound or a noise that turned into a song? Um, yes, actually, uh, recently I had that happen. Um, yeah, I had, um, there sort of, there's this, this park here in Oxford that has sort of these outdoor xylophone things that kids can play with. Mm-hmm. My son was sort of just, you know, banging around on that thing one day and I recorded it. And because he had hit like a turn on the notes and I really was like, oh, that's really pretty. And I came home and I played that. I played oh, wow. it back. I picked it out on my piano and it's it's something that will be. So I guess maybe I need to give him a writing credit. Yeah, he's a co-writer. <laughs> he's going to come after you for publishing. <laughs> uh, he won't hear this for 20 years. He's like nine years old. So yeah, okay. he sees me in 20 years. That's fine. <laughs> he's, got, he's got to go through the disinterested phase before the, the interest perks up. Yeah. Cool. yeah he's, oh. he's not really into music though right now. My, my youngest son. So, you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes for me sooner. So awesome. Yeah, my, my son is fifteen and it's been so fun because he started playing guitar uh three years ago. So sometimes we'll play at a farmer's market and he'll come sit in with me and it it's the it's just the best. So That's I imagine awesome. it's, it's gotta be so fun for you when your son is uh playing music with you. Yeah, we were having just a little bit of a jam session the other other night. He has little tiny drum kit set up in his bedroom and a little keyboard and he he's uh he's been learning all these little uh like anime songs off of uh off of YouTube. Oh, cool, cool. So he's learning how to play those on his keyboard so he'll sit there and play those and i'll play drums along with it that's really fun cool is he writing huh. anything yet any originals um not intentionally no <laughs> he's really interested in learning things that he's heard you know that he can recognize so It'll, um, it'll come. It's in, it it's in his, in his genetics. Yeah. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. Cool. All right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I'm, I, I've learned a lot and hopefully anyone who's listening, who is interested and in, in love songs as much as we do is, uh, learning something. 
And definitely people have to get out there and, and get Prodigal because it is a beautiful record. And if I only talked to you today and said, thank you for making this record, that would make this conversation enough. So I definitely thank you for Prodigal. It's it's absolute masterpiece. Oh, well, thank you, Tom. And it's been so great talking to you as well. All right. Thank you. All right. I will sign off here and we'll see you next time on Pursuing the Muse.